I've been watching uh, Biggest Loser, and, and I love that show. It's a great show. Uh, it's probably one of my favorite shows because it goes beyond just, just doing a job. It, it goes toward, much like the church, it goes toward changing somebody's life forever. And that, that's what Jesus does. He changes our life forever if you allow him really, truly to begin to speak into your life, you begin to understand who he is and what his word is about, and you begin to put those things or practice in your life. I mean, he will, he will absolutely metamorphosize who you are, and that's what this show does. And uh, I've been sitting around for the last few weeks. I've been, been watching it, and I've been just crying like a girl. I haven't cried in any of the seasons as, as much as I have today at lunch. I was eating my lunch just going, <laughs> this is so good. You know, I don't know what it is about this group, uh, but they're, they're really nice people. They like each other. Uh, they're not about all this stuff. They just want to help each other. I mean, they're just really sweet people. And so, I'm, you know, I'm going, oh. <laughs> and as I'm kind of crying and trying to eat my, my lunch, it's just embarrassing. I'm glad nobody's home. The dogs are looking at me, and, and you know. But I, I just heard this word, yes, you can. And, and, you know, there have been times in my life where I've gotten to a low point or I've gotten to a point where I don't think anything's going to happen, that I'm not going to make it, that, it, you know, whatever it is that, like, Pastor Pam shared about as she was talking, at the, you know, at the communion time, it, it, that is most of the message that I have to share, really. This idea that I'm at the lowest point, I, it's not going to happen. God always picked me up by my bootstraps and said, yes, you can. Yes, you can. And uh, that is really, if you watch that show, that's the thing that they try to instill into these contestants, that, yes, you can do it. And they go right, I mean, they, they beat these people down. And the principle that they use in, in, in building them back up is, is a principle that's in the Word of God, and it's that idea that you go to the root, you go to the spiritual root in somebody's life. If you're, if you're doing counseling, if you're dealing with somebody, there may be issues, there may be things. They can get rid of things, but if spiritually in their life they don't get rid of that root, that thing that's holding on to them, it'll manifest itself somewhere else in their life. And they, they, they deal with these people, and they get them to the point at, at where they're just about to break, and then they push them over that edge, and then they break. And then, man, you never know what comes out. Last night, this guy was throwing stuff, slamming doors, and he was, he's a big guy, too. He was five and a quarter when he started the show. And, I mean, he, he's a big guy, and he started throwing stuff. And, but what happened was they got him to a point, and they found that thing. And how many of you have dealt with people, you've counseled people, you've shared with people, and you've just been talking to them, and all of a sudden you realize, man, you're on to something. And it's like, you know, you start going, the Spirit's leading you, and you're speaking into their life. And, and if you can get to that root, if you can exit at the root like it says in the Word, then you've stopped that thing. Otherwise, it's just going to manifest itself somewhere else. And I think Obama might have had, don't throw stones at me, but I think one of his slogans was, yes, we can, or we can, well, I don't know, something like that, wasn't it? Yes, we can. Is that what it was? So I hesitate using that as the title, Yes, You Can, but it wasn't, it's not an Obama thing. It's a, just say Biggest Loser thing. It's a Word of God thing, really, truly, that yes, you can do it. It's not a political slogan. It's not some show, man. It is the Word of God that says you can accomplish the things that he's put in your heart to do. Now, you've heard my thing. You've heard my spiel. You know what I say if you've been around here. You can't do anything you want. You can't do anything you put your mind to, all those things. You know, that's all great. But I, don't, I believe you can do anything that God's called you to do. You can do anything that's in the Word of God that he said in here is ours, he's promised us. You can do anything that he's put in your heart to do. You can do all the things that he's created you and put you in this earth to do. No doubt you can. Yeah. Or you can. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, it's going to be your choice in the end. And if you look in 1 Samuel chapter 17, and you go back to this point, 
it, it starts in the, in the first thing. It says, now the Philistines had gathered their armies together. And this, this really, if, if you can read this, and it talks about two armies being set on two different sides of the hill. And, and they're, they're, they're facing off with each other. But if you think about this now in, in, in today's terms, think about this in your own life. Because I believe many people are like this. It goes on, it says, they've been gathered in, in, in which belongs to Judah. They encamped beyond uh, those two places. And then, in, I don't say those words very well. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, and, and they encamped in the valley of Elon. They drew up in battle array against the Philistines. And I believe many believers are in this point in their life where they've drawn up in battle. They've got this whole idea down, but they've never gone down and in in done battle. Yeah, you can do it. You, you, you just got to go do it. And I think many people are like, I'm at this side, they're at that side. And have you ever been in one of those staring matches where everybody's like doing this thing, but nobody's doing anything? You know, and you're staring somebody down, and, you're, and they're in your face, and you're in their face, and then all of a sudden you're staring at each other, and then you get tired of staring at each other, and nothing happens, and then you just kind of stand there, and then they stand there, and you're not going to back down, they're not going to back down, but nothing ever gets done. And if the enemy can keep you in that position, if he can keep you in that place that says, yeah, I know that I'm right, I know that the Word says, but those people and this thing, and I don't want to do it, and why don't you do it, and how about we do it, and I don't think I can do it. And, if, and, and as long as you know it and never act on it, that's fine. The devil doesn't care how much word you know, but he, it bothers him when you act on that word that you know. And if he can keep you from acting, and if you read this whole thing, they all know what the truth is. The army of God, the, the, the children of Israel, they know what the truth is. They know that this guy's come against not just them, but the God in which they say is theirs. They, they got the whole thing down, but they never go down there and do anything about it. And I think in our lives many times as believers, we want what's on the other side of that Philistine. But we're not going to go down in the valley and do that. And these people in this show, if you've watched this show, they, they, they desire the change so badly in their life that they're broken. Their lives are miserable. They're just, man, they're just totally torn up. They're a wreck because they've got their focus. Really, I mean, you know, spiritually they've got their focus on the wrong thing. They have their focus on Jesus. But, you know, in this, in this example, they're just a mess because they want it so bad, but they won't do it. They don't, they don't know what to do. They don't know how to do it. They don't know where to go. They just, they're just stuck. And in your life, I think many times as a believer, you can just get stuck. But it's not time to be stuck. If you go down and you read through here, and it says that there was a certain champion in verse 4 that came out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath. His height was six cubits in a span, and he had a bronze uh, helmet on his head, and it was armor and a coat of mail, and all the way to the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. He was a big guy carrying a lot of stuff, and he had bronze armor on his legs and bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now, if you go on down there, he then stood in verse 8, it says, and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and he is able to kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and I kill him, then you shall be our servants and you shall serve us. And then he goes on and he says, And I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that will fight, and then we'll fight together. And when Saul, see, and this is chapter, this is verse 11. This is important because this is where believers are many times. When Saul and the, Israels, the Israelites heard these words the Philistine, of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. There's no reason in your life to be standing on that hill and to be afraid. If you listen to these people talk in this show, those are the things that they say. I'm afraid. 
And not this week, but last week, they did a little behind-the-scenes thing, and they were taking little clips from all these different things that had happened during the season. And it was the pink girl, and I just love her. Her name's Ashley. And she turned to her mom, and she's finally in this place where she feels like, okay, this place is going to help me. I'm going to get better. And she's still afraid. She turned to her mom, and she said, what if I go and I still can't do it? And her mom turned to her, and she was much smaller than her, and she looked up at her and said, but what if you go and you can? And those words, just like I've been thinking about them for two weeks, you know, they just wear on my heart because people are like that. What if I try it and it doesn't work? What if I come to church and I try to give God everything that I have and I try to do what he asked me to do and I try to learn the word and I try to speak the word and I try to give him my all and it doesn't work? But what if you do those things and it does? What if it changes your life forever? What if it absolutely puts you in a different place? See, what if that happens? Because that's the truth. That really is, I think, in all of our hearts, what we believe will happen then what keeps us on this side of the hill looking at that guy on that side of the hill? We end up losing hope. And if you want to go from that part in chapter 17 and jump over to the top of your thing, you have to have hope. Jesus is our hope. 1 Timothy 1.1 says, he's, you know, he's writing the letter and he says, in Jesus Christ, our hope. Jesus is our hope. He is your hope. He's my hope. He's all the hope we got. But thank God we got hope in him because he's amazing. We just, you know, we took communion. We celebrated the things that he did on the cross. I mean, he is fantastic. What he's done for us is beyond anything that we can even put our hands on. But you have to have hope. If you don't have hope, you can't have faith. And if you don't have faith, you can't live this word. You can't live the life that God put in your heart to live. You can't do the things that he created you to do. It all takes faith. And if you don't have hope, you don't have faith, and you don't have life, then you're in trouble. It says that in Hebrews 11.1, 1, right, it says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for it's the substance it's the meat it's the part of those things that you've hoped for and it's the evidence of things not seen it's the concrete assurance it says in my bible the concrete assurance and the proof that you have those things that you believe that's in my commentary that's not in the words but that's what it says proverbs thirteen twelve says hope deferred makes the heart what sick without hope don't you see people that are like that many times on the side of the road or maybe in your family or maybe at work or maybe somebody that you know, maybe watching this show, you see these people and they've they got no hope. And I'm not going to build this show up to be the savior of everybody. I mean, that's not what I'm doing. But if you watch this show, you begin to see somebody steps into the scene. This, these two trainers, Bob and Jillian, and, and, and they're little demons. <laughs> you know, I mean, they, they tear them up. Now, they're good people. They're not demons. But I mean, they, they, they are in there because they love these people and they want to see change in their life. And these people begin to have hope. Their life begins to change. They all of a sudden start to believe that things are changing. They start believing that it's possible. And they're still fighting stuff. They're still going through past. They're still dealing with things that are, that are dragging them. I mean, they're still doing just like us, right? I mean, we're, we come in here. we got Jesus. He's our hope. We invite him into our life. We're still going through some things, and we're still dealing with stuff. And, you know, maybe this is working, and maybe it's not working. Is my phone setting this thing off, maybe? Oh, hold on. I got a text from somebody. I don't know, I don't know who that is, so there you go. Sorry. Technology. 
See, it says that hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when, but when desire comes, it is a tree of life. And all of a sudden, you start to see their countenance change. In the, in, the, in the body of Christ, that's a great time. When you see somebody that doesn't have any hope, and they begin to get plugged in, they begin to find out who Jesus is, they begin to find out what the Word says about them, and all of a sudden, their countenance goes from just like, oh, it's never going to work, to, hey, man, this, I'm going to give this a shot. This might happen. And then you start seeing them kind of progress, and they, all of a sudden, they start growing, and all of a sudden, they start changing. Now, you don't come out of here the first day after you receive Jesus, and everything's like all hunky-dory, and everything's perfect, and your body changes, and your head changes, and now you're just like, la you got a little, you know, old, uh, birds chirping around you, and you're, it's not like you're snow white all of a sudden when you walk out of here. But, but if you give the Lord time, he'll begin to change you from the inside out. He'll begin to do those things. He'll begin to transform your life. We talked about that plenty of times. Jeremiah 29, 11, right, says that, that he has thoughts about us to give us a future and what? A hope. To give us a hope. That's what he wants to do. He wants you to have hope. He wants you to believe. He wants us to trust him. And he wants us to act on the word that we know is true on the inside. He's your sufficiency. He's the thing. You know, if you look at uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 8, it says that he is able, God is able to make all grace abound toward you. Always having all sufficiency in all things. That's more than enough. And you're good to go. You got everything you need. Well, I don't. Have you seen? Hey. Remember, hope is faith, is light. You know, it's got to have the faith part. So you've got to believe that it's true. But it says you'll have a sufficiency in all things, that you'll have an abundance for every good work. And many times we talk about that as terms of finances and giving, but an abundance for every good work means that you'll have the words to say in the situations where you don't know. It says you'll have the ability to do things in the situations that you don't know what to do. Because that's a good work if he's called you to that. If he's called you to reach somebody in your neighborhood, you're going to have the words to say. You're going to have the ability to do it. You're going to have great ideas. You're going to be creative. The things that you say out of the Spirit are going to cut right to their heart, and it's going to set them free. Because that's a good work, and he called you to it. But if you stay on this side of the hill and just look at them from, you know, it's not going to work. You've got to keep acting here, and you've got to believe that, yes, 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 I can. I can do it. If you go back into Samuel and you look in verse 12, it says, Now David was the son... He was Jesse's son. Now, he was the ruddy one. If you go back in chapter 16, just right before 17, and this is the part that gets lost in this story. People think about David, and they think him coming on the scenes, and there's a lot of stuff in here that we share, and there's a lot of stuff that we talk about. But if you go back one more chapter before that, that's when Samuel was coming, and he anointed David as king. He anointed him and said, he's going to be the next king. That was all like in the chapter before in chapter 16. But he was the young one, and he was the one who was watching the sheep. And if you read these next couple verses and you go through here, it really basically says that he kind of tended the sheep, and then he came back and he played for Saul when he was going, you know, he'd have crazy spurts, and, you know, he'd just do. So David would come and comfort him with the music. Then he'd go back and watch the sheep. And he was just kind of doing what he was doing. But he was being prepared. He was being prepared. If you read on, and we will in a few minutes, there was a lion, right? There was a bear. There were things that happened. And although he may have looked and seemed to be the person who was the ruddy one and the young one, and it said he wasn't even the good-looking one in the family. Now, if the one that's not good-looking gets to be the preacher, then I'm in trouble. Because my brother, he's not the preacher. <laughs> so that makes me not the pretty one. So I guess he is, but then whatever. You know, there's... He thinks he's Joseph. If you don't know that story, he believes his name. His middle name is Joseph. And so every now and then he parades around, you know, like he has his coat. And then Lori and I remind him that the brothers sold him into slavery. So if he doesn't shut up, he's going to be in trouble. But if you go down and you read this, it says, Then Jesse said in verse 17 to his son David, 
take now for your brothers, you know, all this grain, and then take these loaves and run to your brothers in the camp and carry these cheeses and, and take them all to the captain and see that your brothers are fair and bring back news of them. Now Saul and they had all, all the men of Israel were in the valley and they were fighting the Philistines. So David rose up early in the morning, it says in verse 20, left the sheep with the keeper and took the things and he went as Jesse had commanded him. And he went to the camp and the army and he checked it all out. For Israel and the Philistines, in verse 21, it says, had drawn up in battle and, and the, the army was going against the army. Now David left the supplies in the hand of the supply keeper. See, he didn't just take it, then he ran to find out what was going on. This was a guy who wanted to be a part of what was happening. I mean, it was in his heart. It, he was anointed to be the next king, and all that was taken care of. But it was in his heart to, you know, he wanted to be a part of what was going on. And I think many times in our lives as believers, we don't necessarily go there. So we don't realize that, that da- he, he understood. David understood who, who his God was. He understood what all of those things meant. He understood that, that, that he'd been anointed. I mean, he, he was getting it. He was maturing in becoming all that God wanted him to be. And so when it came a moment in time where the door was getting ready to be open, he believed God. He he didn't think of all the reasons why things shouldn't happen. He didn't think about all of the reasons why it can't work. He didn't think about all the past mistakes. He was being prepared for this moment and this time, and all of a sudden he's seeing the doors getting ready to be open, and all these things are happening, and on the inside of him, I'm sure it was churning. It doesn't say that in the Word, but I'm sure on the inside, things are starting to roll around, and he's starting to realize, like, man, what, 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 what is happening here? Now he's in the midst of it. He left the, food, left the food and he ran down here to see what was going on with everybody else. And, and, I, and I think the, the, the part that you start to begin to think, oh, maybe he has something. If you keep going there and you go to verse 23, it says, Then as he talked with them, there was a champion. The Philistines, you know, was, was Goliath. And he was coming up from the armies of Philistine, and he spoke according to the same words. So David was listening. And all the men of Israel, it says in verse 24, when they saw the man, they fled from him and were what? Dreadfully afraid again. Now, here's this ruddy one, right? He's the young one. He's being, he's being brought along, and everybody who's supposed to be the army, they're supposed to be the ones who are doing all the work. They're doing all the things. They're getting nervous. They're afraid. They don't know what to do. He's kind of coming around now, and he's starting to sniff around. No, what's, what's, what's going on? Why is... And he's, he's looking at all these different things. We said, don't lose hope. Have hope in Jesus. It takes hope to have faith. Well, he's got all these things, and he believes God. And so he's kind of poking around here, and he's listening to what they're saying. In verse 25, it says, So the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he's come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter and give him his father's house, that whole house, exemption from taxes. Woohoo! Tax-free! Right? Not just, hey, I'm going to give you everything. It's tax-free for life. You've heard me. I mean, I've preached this plenty of times. You know, I mean, it's, that's good stuff. I mean, no taxes. So all of a sudden, now you, you've come to this place, and he said, David spoke to the men, and he said, say what? W- what shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? Who, who is this guy? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in this manner and said, so shall it be done for the man who kills him. And, and if you always stay where the sheep are, you're never going to get to the point where you might have to actually get out there and do it. If you're sticking around and hanging out with the sheep and just doing like part one of your... God wants you to be in part four. He wants to be in part six. He wants to take you to the next level. He wants you in that master's thing. You're not just going back through third grade anymore. There's a progression. But what happens to believers? They get to kindergarten or first grade and they just stay here and they look over there and think, I don't want to go second grade. 
right? You ever talk to kindergartners? Are you excited about first grade? Heck no, that's all day. <laughs> this is half day. I get three recesses, a nap, and a snack. I'm not going over there. I'm going to be a 19-year-old first grader, kindergartner. I mean, I, why would I go over there, right? But believers are the same way. Believers are the same way. They'd rather sit and drink milk than get over here and eat the meat. They'd rather sit over here and just do the tiddlywinks instead of get over here and really fight the war. But where are all, you know, where, where's the rewards? Where are the, where's all that? It's in the fighting of the battle. It's in the you can do it. So everybody gets their sword and they say, no, just David. They're all still like, yeah, yeah, man, that's all good. Yeah, you, you go get him, but that guy's big. But if you go, you know, you. So he's sniffing around and he's thinking, you know what, I might be able to do that. But the spoils don't go to all those guys. Who gets the stuff? The one who kills the guy. The one who goes out there and takes care of the problem gets the spoils. It says God is, in, in Hebrews eleven six. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He is a rewarder. And if you go back now and you look, you have to have confidence in God. Your confidence can't be in man. Your confidence can't be in government. Your confidence can't be in jobs. Your confidence can't be in the king. Your confidence can't be in the rest of the army. Your confidence has to be in God. Because where these people were in their lives, they were in between what God had for them and the yuck. And they were just stuck in the yuck. Now, we don't want to be in that place in our lives. You don't want to be going through this thing and continually be stuck in the yuck. But you've got to have hope, which leads to faith, which gets you in that life. But you've got to have confidence in God. Just like Pastor Pam shared, like what she talked about, you have to have confidence in God. Too many people trust in the system. Too many people trust in the government. They trust in their job. They trust in their mate. They trust in their friends. You can trust your pastors. They're great people. But your ultimate trust and confidence has to be in God, not anybody else. And if you look in James and you turn there and it's, it's James and it's chapter 1 and it's five, 5 through 8. And this is important because I think sometimes you get just to that point. And, and I've, I've watched this happen in these lives of these people on this show. How many of you I mean, you've seen the show and they, just, they get right to that point and you think, yes, they're going to break through. They're going to make it. And then they turn on their trainer and they, they go back into their shell. Wow, oh, they're not going to make it. What happened? They begin to doubt the things that they've learned. How many of you have been in this place and you begin to doubt? See, Pastor Pam said earlier, have confidence in God. And you're like, I think it's right. It feels right. It should be right. I don't believe it. <laughs> I back up. And, it, and it's, it's this doubt that brings us into a bad place. It says, if any man in, in verse 5 lacks wisdom, let him ask. Let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave. Or he's, he's like a wave of the sea and driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose or believe or, or think that he's going to receive anything from the Lord, for he is double-minded and unstable in all of his ways. And, and I think sometimes that happens. And these guys, you know, in 1 Samuel, they, they, weren't, they weren't digging it. They were all over the place. They were afraid. They knew what the truth was, but they didn't believe the truth was. They're in doubt. They don't think they can do it. I mean, all of this stuff is happening, but one guy comes on the scene, and, and he's going in the right way. He's been prepared. He believes God. He's killed the bear. He's killed the lion. I mean, all of a sudden, he's headed in the right path. He's starting to recite the things that are true. He's starting to listen to what the people are saying, and he's starting to say, oh, maybe, maybe I can. 
See, yes, you can. Maybe this is the moment. Maybe this is the time. And sometimes we go back and say, you know what, there were some spoils, there were some things. Hey, he did this because it was put in his heart, and he was the one who was chosen to go do it. Now, who are all we? Well, you all are chosen, right? It says you're his own royal priesthood, a, a holy nation. You're his chosen generation. He, he's, he's chose you. You all have a place and a part to play in all of this. But you have to have confidence in God. The rewards that come, it says in Hebrews 10, verses 35 through 36, it says, don't cast off your confidence. Don't, ha- don't cast off your confidence because you'll have need of it, it says. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which, is, which has great reward. It says in the next verse, it says, because you're going to need it. For you'll need that confidence for endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Not confidence in who you are, not not pride in that you can do it, but confidence in who God is, confidence in God's ability to lead you, and yes, confidence in your ability to be led by God. That's part of this write the vision, follow what God's told you to do because you're making this thing in your head going, "Uh uh-huh, I've done this before, God told me I did it and it worked, I'm doing it again. How many have had issues with maybe money or tithing or something in your life and you did it and God came through and you said, okay, forget it, that's true. I ain't going back. You know, I mean, I drew that line in the sand a long time ago and said, okay, it's real. Maybe it's healing in your body. You've been someplace and you said, God, you've got to make, you've got to make a way. You've, I know you're the healer. And, man, you're healed. And all of a sudden you go, okay, I don't have to go back on that again. I, you know, you get that confidence in who God is and his ability to work. And you begin to walk in it. Well, D- David has that. And now he's getting to the point. If you go back, it's verse 28 where we left off. And if you go back to that part, it says, Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard what these guys were saying. He heard what what was spoken by these men. And his anger was aroused against David. And he said, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart. And you have come down here to see the battle. You've come to watch us all get slaughtered. And he he was just trying to do what he was supposed to do. On your list it says down there, you know, that this is one of the things. Don't let anyone talk you out of your position. Because now all of a sudden he's starting to feel and starting to think and starting to believe that this is a place that God has for him and he's seen something that needs to be done. And I'm sure in his heart he's starting to believe and starting to feel like I need to do this. And now he's got people who are coming against him telling him, no, there's no chance, there's no way. In this show that doesn't happen very often. They're all telling each other, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. That's kind of in the, that, that group of witnesses, like it says in Hebrews, you know, in chapter 11, surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses in, in chapter 12. In chapter 11, it has all those people who by faith did stuff. And you got all those people cheering you on. You got all these people in church cheering you on, telling you, how many of you have done that? I mean, people are going, you can do it, Mike. Oh, yeah, man. Go get them, buddy. All right. And you're going, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, man. You walk out the door, and there ain't those people ain't with you. <laughs> and you go, oh, hey, we, we could have done that. <laughs> And God says, you go do it. And you've had to get to that point in your life where you've had to go do it. And a lot of times you've wanted, man, you've wanted eight people to be with you or whatever, but you've gotten to the point in your life where you say, no, I'm going to go do it by myself. If I've got to crawl, if I've got to scratch, if I've got to hitchhike my way to Logansport, I'm going to get up and I'm going to see those boys. And I'm going to take care of the things that God told me to take care of. I'm going to impart into their life. And that's what he does because he, it's in his heart. That's what God's told him. And, you know, he can do anything that God tells him he can do. But you learn that and you begin to do that. But David's at that point. Now, people are starting to talk him out of it. If you go all the way down here, I mean, this is, this is a, a, quite a few scriptures. In verse 29, it says, David said, what have I done now? I mean, is there not a cause? And then he turned from him and the other and he said the same thing. And all these people are telling him all this stuff that can't happen. Now, in the words which David had spoke, 
were heard, they reported them to Saul, and then Saul sent for him. It says, Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight the Philistine. Hey, all these scaredy cats, let them all stay right here. I'll go do it. Now, what is it that God's called you to do? That doesn't mean somebody else isn't doing it or what. I'm not saying that. But what is it that God called you to do? Are you willing to stand up and say, I'll go. I can. God. See, it says, with God, all things are possible. I can do it. David began to do that. And then it says after that, Then Saul said to David, You are not able to go against the Philistine to fight him, for you are a youth, and he's a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and a lamb took it out of the flock, I went after it and I struck it and I delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by its beard and I struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And see, now this starts, now he's, now he's rehearsing the things that have happened in his life. Sometimes I think we need to get back and we need to rehearse those things that God's done in our life. And we've got to go back and say, hey, look, this is, this is what he did. I'm getting hope now. I know Jesus, he's with me. He was with me before and he's not left me. and never leave me or forsake me. Now all of a sudden I'm going through this. I'm getting confidence in who God is and what, he, what he's done in my life. And I'm getting confidence in my ability to follow him. And the last time I did it, this came through. And see, now David is starting to rehearse these things. He's starting to say this stuff. And now he turns and he begins to make the thing, he begins to speak to that thing that's standing in the way of the army of God. And he, and this, and then all of a sudden now, he's not the ruddy kid anymore. But do you see him as the ruddy kid? Do you see him as the guy who's just the, no. All of a sudden now, what's he doing? Man, he's starting to take on, he's a man of God. And now all of a sudden, you're starting to see him different. I mean, now you're starting, but you're not seeing him. He's the same person. It, it's what, he's, what he is becoming in the spirit. He's, he's not all of a sudden like metamorphosis. I mean, he's not all of a sudden becoming Goliath. You know, I mean, it, it doesn't work that way. But spiritually in his life, all of a sudden, he's becoming, those, he's becoming those things that God promised him. He's starting to grow in those things. And now he's becoming a force. And in your life, the Spirit of God is alive on the inside of you. And if you'll continue to have hope, which leads to faith, but continue to have confidence in God and continue to go after those things that he's put in your heart, he'll be the one that makes the way. He'll be the one that puts you in that place. But you're going to have to be the one that says, yes, I can. And you've got to be the one that begins to Speak those things out of your mouth. Because David did. He tells him all of those things. But he says, And this uncircumcised Philistine, in verse 36, will be like one of them, seeing that he has defiled the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said, All right, go. On your way, man. You've convinced me. Go do it. Now, you have to do it in who you are. That's the next step. Because he says, go do it, but then what does he say to him? Uh, hey, hey, come here. Put on all my armor. I need you to do it this way. But see, up until now, what has he done? He's just been who God called him to be. It was the lion, it was the bear, it was this, it was that, and he was being a shepherd, and now he's bringing food, and now he's doing this, and now all of a sudden he's stepping into this place. Now spiritually in his life, he's starting to mature, and he's starting to speak the word, and now all of a sudden he's got his thing going, and now as somebody else says, you need to do it like this. It's like what we talked about a few weeks ago with Billy Joe. He felt like he was supposed to go get a camper and go do, or go get a, go get a camper or go get a big van thing and do his thing. And somebody talked him into a camper. Like right at that moment, he said, oh, okay, I'll put on all the armor. I'll do it your way. And you can't do God's thing for you someone else's way. Da -da -da. <laughs> Amen. 
You have to do it the way that God's put in your heart to do it because then he puts all that stuff on him. It says David fastened the sword on. He put on the army. He tried to walk. It didn't work. See, we see him as this boy. Oh, but he's still this little dude. But spiritually, he is this. But, but physically, he's still this little guy. And so as it goes on and it says, you know, I can't walk with these things for I've not tested them. So David took it all off. Then he took off his staff. He took all that stuff. And he, and he chose, took his staff and he chose for himself five smooth stones out of the brook, put them in his shepherd's bag took his sling, and he went out to find the guy. And I'm sure everybody thought, oh, my gosh, what are we doing? You know, Pastor Pam took off with three kids, put in a car, and drove to Tulsa. You know, I'm sure, and, and her grandparents, my grandparents, her parents said, what are we doing? Why are we letting her go? But, see, God said, God spoke, God put it in her heart. And then she began to, what, believe God, and she said, I'm going. I can uh, Mama, we don't make enough money to pay the bills. I can do it. God said, okay, man, whatever. You know, and there we sat in our little apartment, freaked out. But you know what? Over a period of time, as she did, just like what David did, began to, began to go through the lion, began to go through the bear, began to see God move, began to see groceries on the porch, began to see if you tithe, God will take care of you. I mean, he, he brought us for a whole year of our life. There wasn't any going back. And what happened? She came back the same person physically, really, that she was, but spiritually she wasn't. But she couldn't do it somebody else's way. I'm sure there have been five different ways. That she, she had to do it God's way. Every day, every night. You know, I mean, it was, it was over and over and over again. God just poured his love into her. And then that love metamorphosized who she was and changed her life. Spiritually, she went from this to this. And thank God she did. Because now we're all like, you know, we're all the fruit <laughs> of all of that that they went through. But you have, to, you have to begin to do it the way that God has put in your heart to do it. And I don't think that, we, you know, we don't want to do that, but I think we look around at all these other people and think it'd be easier if I could do it like that. Or I think, you know what, God, that's a great idea, but I'm going to do it this way. God says, ah, you're going to do it this way. But it'd be a whole lot easier if I had armor on instead of a slingshot. You know? I mean, like, a real deal. How many of you, know, I mean, you thought, I'm going to have to do it this way because, you know, this is, this is, and God says, whatever, dude. And then you crash, and your armor falls down, and then you finally get up, and you get your rocks and your slingshot, and you go out to the hill, you know? And start doing your thing. Don't let anybody talk you out of your position. You have to be yourself. You can't live somebody else's life. And you've got to speak the truth. Verse 45 is where David came up against Philistine. Came up against Goliath. And he said, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. See, now all of a sudden, we, this, I'm telling you, we forget about who this kid was. When you start reading this, don't you just like get kind of tingling on the back and you start reading it? I read it harder. I read it tougher. You know, I start telling the Philistine what's up and I'm giving it to him. You know, I'm like, yeah, back at, you know, and when you fired up, you forget this is this little dude. It wasn't like from chapter 16 to chapter 17, he like gauged 24 years and grew into some gigantic man. But as you go through here, then he begins to tell him, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and I will take your head from you. And this day I will give your carcass to the camp of the Philistines, to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all of the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with the sword and the spear. For the battle is what? Is the Lord's. He knew. He knew this whole thing. He knew the whole deal. He understood who God was. I mean, it, it, he, he got it. He had confidence. He knew the battle was the Lord's. But he knew 
Somebody had to step up. And when he was in that moment, I believe he sensed that, you know what, that somebody is me. And I don't know how this is going to work, but I, I know that he's been through the line. He's been through the... I, I, I know he's there. I'll do it. I'll go. And I think many times, see, that takes, that takes us from this place on this side, looking over there and going, oh, it's hopeless. Now, all of a sudden, you've got a guy who's pushed past all the fearful people, pushed past all the people who didn't have hope. Nobody had confidence in God, even though they all knew the truth. And he said, I got confidence. I trust God. I believe it. Let's go. Swinging his thing. And not only swinging his thing, but he's, he's you know, he's trash-talking him all the way down the hill. He's giving it to him. Because it says, I will get, he says, he will give you into our hands. He's telling him. I mean, he's giving it to him. I think as believers sometimes... Man, you get up there, get going. But then the last point, the last thing on your list says, finish what you start. Don't get down here and start swinging your thing and then run back home, drop your rock, and go back over here and say, I'm out, I'm out. I'm, it's good, it's good, sorry. I'll go back to kindergarten. You know, I remember it was going to be the kindergarten because it was, you know, a nap and three recess. But, it, I mean, it was, we get that thing up, we go, and this is crazy, but I'm going to do it anyway. But how many times in your life that got you from where you were to where you are today that you took that slingshot and you took that thing and said, all right, God, I'm freaking out a little on the inside, but I trust you. Let's just do it. And you throw that thing and all of a sudden, pow, it works. Woo! You didn't get here without throwing your thing a few times. You didn't get to the place where you are today without having confidence in God somewhere. You had to have confidence in God to receive him as your Lord and Savior. But you've got to understand that that's who he is. And then he's taken you from place, right, to place, to place. Each time it's been a fight of faith, each time you've had to have hope, each time your confidence in him had to grow, each time you had to get out there and you had to be the one that was swinging it, wasn't somebody else doing it for you. I mean, each time there was growth. But each time I believe you come to that part where you're looking and that thing that you've got to conquer is standing there staring you in the eyeballs. And it's telling you why you can't do it and why it's not going to work and how you're not going to make it and how you're always going to be that way and how it's never going to change in your life and it's always going to be awful. That's what the Philistine does. That's what Goliath does. He says those things. He says he defiles the army. He defiles you. He begins to speak the things that aren't true into your life. And he's the one who's standing between you and what God has. The enemy does that in your life. The devil does not like you. But if, if you will, if you will begin to say, okay, God, I don't know how. I don't know what you're going to do. But I'm telling you what, I believe you. I'm going, to have, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do what you told me to do. I'm going to say what you told me to say. And I believe that you're going to bring me through. And you start swinging that thing. And if you read this story and you go down to the end, it says in verse 48, so it, so it was when the Philistine arose and he came and he drew near to meet David that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag, he took out his stone and he slung it. And it struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell onto his face in the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone. And he struck the Philistine and killed him, but there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran over, stood over the Philistine, took his sword out, drew it out of its sheath, and killed him, cut off his head. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And then you can go all the way back down there. It says that he brought the head back and all that kind of stuff. But here's the deal. He finished what he started. I think sometimes believers, we're not necessarily the greatest finishers. We talk a good game. We like to pretend like we're there. We almost get there. And then sometimes we just like those people on that show, man. I mean, I, they, they say this. I don't know how many diets I've started. I don't know how many times I've tried to lose weight. I don't know how many times I've gone to the gym. I don't know how many times I've done it. But you know what? I've always ended up worse. And it's always gone backwards, and I've never been able to make it. 
What's the difference in their life from when they started that show and then when they end the show? They started having hope in their life. They started to believe that it was possible. They began to have this unbelievable. They trusted somebody. I mean, like it was out there. They trust Bob. They trust Jillian with everything that they have. And they begin, they begin to take this and they, be, they begin to say, okay, I, I, I have confidence. You tell me whatever to do and I'm going to do it. And then in the end, they've got rid of all the junk. They've gone through all the mental stuff. I mean, they, they all of a sudden are these machines. They're going to run a marathon next week. I mean, they do, it, they do it all the time. Now, they don't go out and run it in two and a half hours like the Kenyans. I mean, they're not, you know, they're not doing it like for money. But they're going to go out and run 26.2 miles. Most of them couldn't even run the mile when they got there. Now, what is the difference in their life from the beginning to the end? They started to have hope and believe that it was possible. And then they started to put trust in somebody and say, okay, I believe you. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. And as they did those things, it was work. Have you ever watched the show? They're throwing up. They're crying. They're beating things all over the place. They're mad. They're yelling at each other. I mean, it is work. And this, this Christian life is work too. I mean, you're going to have to get out there and you're going to have to go at it. There is, there is some determination. There is some desire. There is some discipline. There are some things that have to happen. But if you felt like you were down and out, if you felt like you were never going to make it, if you felt like, you know what, it's just not going to happen, that's a lie. Today is a day where you get hope and you begin to get confidence in who God is and you allow Him to make a difference in who you are. Amen? Let's watch this little video. Are you good? Let's watch this real quick. Dan played this. So if you're a guy and you saw this, you know what it is about. But uh, if you were at the men's breakfast, you would see this. You know, I love that video because... I mean, I, I, as I, was, I was eating it hook, line, and sinker. As Dan was playing it, man, I was all like, oh, I get it, man. People are just messing around. They think things are great. They're, you know, I'm thinking, oh, they're playing with something bad. As believers, we do that. You know, we do stuff we're not supposed to. We get out there in a bad place, and I'm watching this little mouse, and all of a sudden, snap, and I did the same thing. Oh, oh, that's harsh. Poor little guy's dead. I'm thinking, oh, and then he's barely breathing. And believers come back to pastors and say, I know you told me I shouldn't have done that, but I did it anyway, and now my life's a mess. You know what they say? It's all right. You know what? Jesus loves you, and he cares about you, and he'll forgive your sin. Why don't we just pray? And he's going to give you another shot. He's going to give you a second chance. He's going to give you another opportunity. And they begin to pump you full of the word. They begin to tell you what the Lord says. They begin to tell you what he's speaking. You begin to believe it. You begin to get hope again. All of a sudden, your confidence grows. And what happens? All of a sudden, you're rocky. You're rocky mouse. You know, nothing can hold you back from what God has for you. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, you're on the right path now. See, you're in the right, you're in the right place. God knows where you are. He knows what's going on. He knows everything about you. He knows what happened before, and you know what? He's taken care of it. You know what? He's, his blood's took care of it. And now, today, you know, we get a chance to go out there and Sling our sling. He's going to make up for all the time. He's going to make up for all the things that the devil stole. He's going to make up for all the things that the enemy tried to take from you. It says that he's the one who changes all that around for good in your life. And he's going to do that. If you have hope, believe him, have faith. Gain confidence in who he is. I know he'll do that for you. He's no respecter of persons. So tonight, right where you are with your head bowed and your eyes closed, Pastor Pam already asked if you needed to know Jesus, and we took care of that at that time. But you know what? You're in this place tonight. I just want to pray for you. 
And you may have been in a place, you know what, where the mouse, man, you were down and out for a moment. But today's your day for a comeback. Just right where you are, just put your hand up and say, I'm coming back. I'm done. This is it, man. I'm, this is, I'm making a return. I may have been snapped, may have been hit, but I'm telling you what, I'm coming back. So tonight, Father, I thank you that you see the hands of those who are raised. And Father, just like David, we believe you. I thank you that you've prepared us and that we may have had a lion and a bear in our past, Father, and we see a Philistine in front of us. But today, Father, I thank you that we don't see them as an obstacle in our way. We speak to them and we cast them into the sea like it says in your word to do, that we believe you. We have hope and confidence, Father, faith that you will take care of those things that come across our paths. Now, Father, I thank you that you resurrect those things in our lives. Just like that little mouse, I thank you, Father, that you resurrect us, that we know that we can. With you, all things are possible. And Father, I thank you today you breathe that into our lives, that we can do it. Whatever that is, Father, that you've put in our hearts, that nothing is impossible with God, that you help us in our unbelief, Father, as we walk in our way, that you strengthen us. Father, you give us courage and confidence to follow after you, to sling that rock and to slay that giant in Jesus name we hope you've been encouraged strengthened and challenged in your walk with Jesus if you need prayer for situations in your life we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777 if you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.